Welcome to In the Movement Podcast, a podcast discussing all things happening in the credit union movement. Each episode will feature leaders talking history, current affairs, and how we can utilize our expertise to educate, communicate, and mobilize, all to better serve our movement. Here are your hosts, Chris Kem, Austin DeBay. Welcome to another edition of In the Movement Podcast. I am Chris Kim. And I'm Austin DeBay. Today, Austin, we welcome our guest, Felicity Guerin, who is the communications manager of Acul. Wait, 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 wait. Chris, um, I'm going to do something. Uh, first of all, I want to try this new soundboard. So, <laughs> Do you know what that means, Chris? I don't. It means you are guilty of the greatest sin in credit union land, and that is to use an acronym without explaining what that acronym is. And I am not saying this because I'm above it because I do it as much, if not more than, than anybody. These acronyms are so common. You just assume everybody talks in that same lingo. I do the same thing on the legislative side too. But I think it's important to highlight what they are. And I know that in this case, there's going to be a couple of acronyms used. ACUAL that you said Felicity works at is the American Association of Credit Union Leagues. Uh, Felicity will explain a little bit more about exactly what that association is. We also talk a lot about the CUNA Government Affairs Conference in this podcast. CUNA is the Credit Union National Association, and the GAC is the Government Affairs Conference. So when you hear the reference of CUNA GAC, it's a it's an annual conference that CUNA puts on in Washington, D.C. You know, I'm really guilty at it, so I'm glad you called me at it. Felicity's, you know, our guest today, she gets, she's going to give us great perspective of the great people who make up our credit union movement. Her dedication to the family, uh, you're going to hear her passion for Children's Miracle Network, and just the everyday dedication for what we do as a movement across this country. We talk about all the time about how we want to highlight what in the movement means and what credit unions and how we take roles in this. But the work that she does is a big part of the family that makes up our credit union movement and her work shines through in this conversation. You're going to hear a little bit about her story and what to expect from this year's GAC. Yeah. And that's a good point, Chris. Uh, we, we wanted to have this podcast when we're recording this a couple weeks out from the Government Affairs Conference. And so we thought Felicity is a great one to have. We like to have someone talk about their backstory, which we will do with Felicity. And she's got a great one. She speaks about an area of credit union land that is very big part of the social responsibility that we talk about. And then also, I've known her, I think the first time I met her was at my first CUNA GAC. She was either at her first or second GAC as well. Somebody who has a, a track record of over 15, 16 years of government affairs conferences. So I think her perspective on how it has evolved, what we can expect in a virtual setting since we are in the still uh, working uh, through a pandemic and, and holding the conference this year uh, that way. But with that said, we wanted to present this podcast that is relevant to the time, but also if you're listening two weeks after the GSC, there's just there's still enough in here. And even what we do talk about the GSC is more to do with why it's important to attend. So this will be timeless, whether you're listening to this at the GSC or not. Awesome. With that, let's get at it. Chris, we're joined today by one of my favorite people in the credit union movement, Felicity Guerin. How are you doing, Felicity? I'm great. Thank you. How are you, Austin? I am doing well. Felicity, you mind telling our audience who you are and your job in the credit union movement? 
Sure. So currently I work at ACUL, which is the American Association of Credit Union Leagues. And I manage the communications there and just support Brad Miller, the executive director in um, whatever he needs. Great. Yeah. And, and we'll get into what ACUL is and kind of what your, your current role. And I, you've come through the credit movement in an area that I think is, is unique for what we've had as guests. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing what your role has been in the credit unions and their time here. One of the things Chris and I always talk about is the social responsibility aspect of credit unions. You know, we talk about financial literacy, but your area is, is something that I, your background area is something that, that I, I believe credit unions are probably the most passionate about outside of providing service to their members. And if you wouldn't mind explaining kind of where you started in the credit union movement and why it had kind of captured your heart personally. Yeah, sure. So I actually got started in credit unions at Callahan and Associates. I was fortunate enough to drink the Kool-Aid right out of college, served by none other than Chip Filson. And I think anyone who knows Chip knows what it is to be passionate about credit unions. So I got introduced to the credit union movement right away in my career path. So when I was at Callahan and Associates, I became familiar with the Credit Union Cherry Blossom 10-Mile Run, which is a fundraiser for Children's Miracle Network Hospital. One thing that was great about working with Callahan is they really let me explore my passions within the credit union industry. And so I reached out to the group that supports that charity event and got engaged with the marketing committee and learned all about credit unions for kids that way. And that's where I really got passionate about Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and credit unions for kids and supporting local children's hospitals nationwide. And I went to a couple other companies after Callahan, and I always stayed engaged with the run. And I always stayed in contact with our friends at Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. So then fast forward several years to a league president meeting where Stan Holland with Co-op Financial Services was in the room when the league presidents were talking about wanting to do more for CMN hospitals and just feeling challenged by resources in order to do that and wanting to coordinate more and collaborate more. And Stan raised his hand and said, Co-op Financial Services will fund a position to help that happen. And the position will be within ACUL. And that was sort of all the structure that was given to that. And so... I was lucky that CMN Hospitals reached out to me and I got to sort of build that position into what it became, which was, I would say it was a kind of a coordinator of the efforts nationally for credit unions for kids. So there was so much going on all across the country, but it was hard to kind of get the big picture of it. So it was really neat to be able to see all these grassroots efforts and try to put my arms around them and make it feel, hopefully I I helped make it feel more like a national brand and a national effort and to grow fundraising by reminding credit unions how important this cause is and how important their neighboring credit union thinks that cause is. And it's just really neat to see credit unions all coming together and cooperating for something so important to our communities, to their members and to their employees. You know, one out of every five families is treated at a Children's Miracle Network hospital every single year. That's credit union employees, that's credit union management, that's credit union members. One out of five is a lot of families. So this is Chris, and, and I appreciate you being with us today. And 
I kind of want to cycle back on Acul. Uh, a lot of people may not understand the full grasp of what Acul does. Uh, for our listeners, um, if you can give a quick breakdown of Acul and then your career was blessed, or we should say the, the credit union movement was blessed to get you, you know, from, from <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid to extend into your career with serving the credit unions across the country. But uh, can you give a brief overview of what Acul is for, for our listeners, just in case they, they're not aware of what Acul is? Absolutely. And I actually would venture to guess that a lot of your listeners are not aware of what Acul is. We've kind of stay behind the scenes. It hasn't been an association that really has pushed its brand out up until this point. We really exist to help leagues advocate communicate, collaborate, and influence policy. Those are sort of the four pillars. So leagues are already doing those things really, really well. And we just try to help them in any way we can to do it better and to work together. I always see Acula as like a conduit for conversations. For example, if Austin hears about some sort of legislation that's been drafted, that is new legislation that we haven't thought of or heard about before, then he might bring that through an actual community or through an actual call to his peers at other leagues and say, just flag them like this just came up on our state legislature. You might want to pay attention and see if something like that comes up in your state legislature. And this is how we combated it. Or this is how we helped it move forward so that the leagues can learn from each other and be that much more efficient and effective in their advocacy efforts in support of credit unions. Our chairman, who we actually interviewed for this podcast about a month ago, one thing he always, and his name's Todd Marksberry, and one thing he always talks about is being a thought leader within the industry. And, and I would say the way you described it, it just it, you help leagues become the thought leaders within the industry and within their, their own states or regions. And so there's a collective aspect to what we do as an association with our other states. Then you provide a value that complements what CUNA does. It's not the same thing, in it, but it complements it greatly and it complements uh, what the leagues do in their individual states and regions as well. I certainly hope so. That's definitely my goal. You know, leagues are, are thought leaders, certainly in their region. And I try to elevate that to a national level. And my goal is really for credit unions to see the league system as a whole, as a powerful thought leadership enterprise that they benefit from. You mentioned that a lot of our folks may not know that Acul exists. The awesome thing about our credit union movement is we have so many moving pieces. We have CUNA, the CUNA structure system. We have Acul with the league support. And like Austin said, they go hand in hand. Then you have the QSOs. You talked about Stan Holland and, and what co-op does and the partnerships there. You have CUNA Mutual. You have all these different partners that make up this huge family across the country to serve our millions of members. And I'm hoping that we can do more education on this that are working together to better serve everybody that that's served by a credit union in some fashion. And you talked about See You for Kids, which is a program that was housed and very close to your heart with an Acule. Can you go more into why your passions were so deep with See You for Kids? Sure. Well, one thing that I think is just awesome about the movement and credit unions for kids is that there's approximately, it's actually 
for reasons that are not worthy of this podcast. Very hard to quantify exactly how many credit unions and credit union organizations, CUSOs, vendors, business partners support CU for Kids or their local Children's Miracle Network hospitals. But my guess is it's around 3,000 individual organizations that are supporting this cause. And I don't know, I think that's amazing that it's really easy for Walmart to say, Walmart employees, now you are going to support CMN hospitals. And then all the Walmarts support CMN hospitals because that's what their CEO told them to do. You know, we've got 3,000 separate companies with 3,000 separate CEOs that are deciding to work together towards this cause. And I just think that speaks a lot to what this movement is about. Yeah, you know, I envy it's because you get to be a part of what I consider the greatest part of our industry is that, again, going back to the social responsibility piece, the practicing what you preach and the cooperative nature and not contributing to, you know, see you for kids as an organization to get the accolades as your individual credit union, but doing it to obviously to help the, the hospitals, but be involved in it from a, a cooperative standpoint is such a huge part. And some of us that deal in politics would argue that we have to deal with the worst part of not just credit unions, but just the worst part of, you know, the zeitgeist that is the world. But so when we get to hear the stories about, you know, the good things in the world and, you know, the things that you're doing is is why I guess there's a special place in our part just to, to know why we deal with the, the politics sometimes is that there's this, higher, there's this higher cause that we're also fighting that's not just financial services related. So actually, Austin, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and Credit Unions for Kids isn't as far off from financial services as it might seem. One of the number one causes of personal bankruptcy in the United States is unforeseen medical costs. And programs like Credit Unions for Kids help to mitigate that. And I think that's, you know, part of what credit unions are all about. I like how you describe that because people helping people within our credit unions, a lot of the stories that are told every day by our front-facing staff talk about credit unions' ability to help out members in ways that other people can't. And it's because we actually apply the human nature aspect to life on decisions and we still have our regulatory processes and we have all that, but we have these exceptional programs that tag in our social responsibility to make credit unions a movement. And it stands us so different from a for-profit financial institution that's, that's worried about their bottom line. We're worried about our bottom line too, but our bottom line is, is driven around making the community more whole, if you will. So interesting aspect that you bring to the credit unions, especially with your background with it. And I definitely think that Credit Unions for Kids is a strategic partnership for credit unions. I think there's a, I do think there's a, you can make a really strong business case for employee retention and for, again, just furthering the financial well-being of your community. Oh, even just awareness, you know, when you look at like your local NBC affiliate, we get a lot more coverage of things that credit unions are doing to help their local hospital than maybe other things credit unions are doing. Cause it's just, there's not a ton, there's not a lot to talk about. Like, oh, we made another loan today. Like that doesn't make the news, but you know, we presented a check to the children's hospital and were was able to purchase, you know, MRI machine, for example, that looked like a pirate ship and then kids could wear goggles. And they told a whole story about how the kids were like pirates that were going through this 
MRI and they were able to like greatly decrease the number of kids that needed to be put under for MRIs. Things like that are really powerful and really tangible and also like really great PR. And there's nothing wrong with that. We could probably create a whole segment on this and the powerful things that See for Kids is doing across the country and your role into it. You know, what we're about to talk about next, which is the GAC that's upcoming. I think we we like to explain to our listeners who we're bringing on and, and what impact and what role they play within the credit union movement. So yeah, Chris, as you mentioned, uh, we wanted to talk to Felicity here about the GAC. And one of the things that I, I know about Felicity is that we started somewhat around the same time. I don't know about you. I mean, with the name Felicity, you're a 90s child. I'm a 90s child with the name Austin. I, I have one thing in common I'm assuming is when I was a kid, the movie Austin Powers came out and it completely ruined my life because nobody like, nobody would refer to me as Austin without including oh, Austin Powers, right? So you have another common a name that's common with the 90s television show. I'm, you know, you were born before that show, so you weren't named after Felicity, but I'm sure you have these scars from your childhood or your teens, however you were around that time. I was just curious if, that, if you had that same Yes, oh my gosh. That's so funny, Austin. So Carrie Russell, Felicity, was about like one year older than me in life in the TV show. College, like the year before I was in college. And of course I watched Felicity because there are no other Felicities except for me and Carrie Russell, basically. When I went to college, my mom still watched the show, but then she would call me like stressing out about things that did not happen in my life that like happened in Carrie Russell's life. Like (laughs) I didn't do that. I didn't go to that party. Like that never happened to me. This isn't real. This is the this is the TV show. Like I'm not fighting between Noel and Ben. I don't. I'm not picking one of them. So yeah, it it definitely affected affected my world as well. Yeah, I had I, to mute my mic because I was laughing over. To, I was going to laugh over top of you because completely, completely get. And I just I had a feeling that this was going to be a, a, a subject that you would have something to say about. That's hilarious. I actually had to mute it because I was laughing at both of you. Yeah. So just to that point, I was actually there was a point. Probably like a year after that, I'm like, you know what? My response to that is be like, oh man, you're so original. I've never heard that before. Like, you know, after the hundredth time, you're like, I mean, it's just, the joke's not funny to me anymore. But I just want to like drop lines. Like, how about now? (laughs) (laughs) Did did we do our total years like we normally do? Did we, our years of service, you know, because we have a running total of years of experience on the show. Yeah, that's true. We, we're not trying to age anyone here, but I just celebrated my 15th year. This would be my 16th GAC. And this is... Oh, I got you by one. This yeah. will be my this that, will be my 16th GAC. Or wait, sorry. This will be my 17th GAC, 16th year. So actually, I didn't even know if I remembered that it was exactly the same. Actually, I think we talked about this at the last GAC, Felicity, was that yeah. we did start. So we were talking about the evolution. I think that's this is a good point because we're obviously... The Kinnan GAC... For those that aren't aware, is an annual conference held by the Credit Union National Association that is really our our signature event in Washington, D.C., uh, both on a regional level and on a national level. Advocates, I believe it's somewhere around 5,000 plus, probably even more at this point, go back to Washington, D.C., and there's a week long of seminars and, and speakers. And one of the, the other big parts that, that we are, help coordinate as an the regional association is Hill visits to DC and giving the opportunity for credit unions to meet with their elected officials back in Washington. And obviously with COVID, 
um, which actually happened about a week or two. At, not, it didn't happen, but it started ramping up in the United States a week or so after the GAC. So right around the GAC is now around about a year mark, but we're still in the situation where we're, we're going to be holding it virtually. So before we get into the virtual aspect, I, I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about the evolution of it and where you and I started our first year at the uh, Washington Hilton, how much different that is than what we've had over the last few years. Yeah, I remember my first GAC was at the Washington Hilton. And this should be my 18th GAC, but I did miss one because my son had just been born. So yeah, I might, I kind of have you by one, Austin. So yeah, the Washington Hilton. And then there were the there was the evolution to the Washington Hilton plus that awkward boardwalk area that some vendors were out in that was really cold and the roof was leaky. But then we went to the convention center, right? And then the next big change I could think of is we changed the way that the screen was facing at the convention center. So those I feel like have been the big operational changes from GAC so far in my life, which isn't really that huge of differences. Um, So taking this now huge conference to a virtual platform is a big change, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. You know, I think the thing that makes me most excited, the three of us, we were really fortunate to get to experience GAC at a really young age. You know, I think I was 22 at my first GAC. Part of it was because, again, working at Callahan, Chip was great to work for, and he really empowered empowered his employees to get to do a lot of, have a lot of different experiences. But part of it's because I was in DC, and so I was local, and it was easy to, to let us go. But not everybody gets that experience. But this year, you know, GAC has never been as accessible as it is. So, you know, I'm really hopeful that young leaders all across the country and newer employees and people who maybe just haven't gotten to go because it's not in their day to day or because it's expensive to send employees to GAC. I'm just really hopeful that all those people now will be able to get to experience it since, you know, there's a lot of things that are not changing about GAC. There's still, you know, really important keynoters, there's still very relevant breakout sessions. There's still networking opportunities. There's still an exhibit hall. Like all the things that we know about the Washington Hilton GAC are still true at the virtual GAC. And it's just now, you know, more easily accessible. You know, you talk about the content, the structure, the speakers, everyone's the same. I liked how you put our young professionals or those that, that can't do it. It is very expensive, unfortunately to travel to DC just in general, especially this time of year in a non-COVID year, you have every lobbying organization in the world <laughs> coming to DC and trying to get their point across. And I'll be interested to see how that changes, you know, once COVID's gone, especially with the dynamic of Capitol Hill now. But for those frontline staff, for those young professionals we're even doing a couple of things different. So that's opening up. I know Wuku is opening it up to having a broader audience to to see these things because these are just not things that you get a chance to do. And in my prior life, I used to fly to DC and lobby and, and be on the hill and and we used to take and bring members up all the time. But this one was interesting because you have this huge family of friends up there on the hill. 
And I can remember one year it coincided with the beer wholesalers and the, the beer wholesalers are walking around with these big orange tags on their, their shirts talking about buy beer. The networking that took place off the, the buy beer jokes was, was incredible because it raised awareness. There was multiple factions of groups up on the hill, particularly you talk about, you know, the speakers, the content of what they learn. It's not something they would get every day, but there's also that aspect uh, of the hill aspect. And in, in, in COVID, we've been doing a lot of it in the last 11 months, which is getting our legislators on the call with our staffs and folks that wouldn't normally have that chance. But I think if you were to talk about, if you were to talk to a young professional or a front-facing staff that would never have this opportunity. We all call it the bug. Once you get to DC, you get the bug. You want to go back. How would you encourage them to participate in this process for GAC so that they can get that bug and then they find a way to try and, and make it happen for them to come in future years when, it, when we do go back to normal and, and we are in person? That's a great question. And you know, I think it's also important to underscore what a key year this is for advocacy. Advocacy is going to be so important this year. We have so much turnover on the Hill, right? Like it's a completely opposite group of people than it was last year. And there's so many new faces and it's a really important time to get out the credit union message. So the more people that we have engaged, the better, the more we resonate with lawmakers, you know? And so, and I think that we're seeing a trend too, where lawmakers like to hear from the younger professionals as well. They're important constituents too. And so I'm hoping that, you know, younger staff, like we said, and, but also just again, other existing staff that hasn't had the opportunity to go can go. And I guess I would say just, you know, register. If I think if there's four people from your credit union that register, you get like a discount and it's, the least expensive that registration's ever been. It's really the most accessible GAC. And I, th- I don't know, I would say too, to young professionals, like, don't be afraid to ask your boss if you can go. Like, I think that shows a lot of initiative and there's so much education that happens there. I have to admit, you know, I worked in credit union land almost 10 years before I went to CUNA and I did not understand why advocacy mattered or why it was important or everything that went on on the Hill. And now, you know, having worked alongside CUNA for so long in ACUAL, like I've really seen firsthand how important it is to have the ear of the legislators and the regulators and to understand, you know, what legislation is and what legislation is coming and how all those relationships are so important and why telling the credit union message on the Hill specifically is important. I just... I just didn't realize, I guess, how critical advocacy was until I was like living and breathing it accidentally <laughs> every day. I would say, especially for the young professionals, is the idea that going to a conference such as the GAC, I think there's a few, the GAC's one, a World Council would be another, is, is really when you experience your job as a career rather than just a job. It, for me, that because it starts to make you think about things bigger than just your box of your of your individual department or credit union or whatever it is, state, whatever. I mean, I, w- I would also say, you know, your association's annual meeting as well as another opportunity to 
you know, see something bigger outside of, of just your credit in an area. So, but I would think unlike any other, with the exception of maybe a Woku, because that, that scale is so big that it's really uh, breathtaking to, to know that you're a part of something that's helping people in other countries as well as, you know, this country. But more so than anything else, I would say the Government Affairs Conference makes you feel more part of, makes you realize about a community that you probably didn't know existed. And also just knowing what people outside of your industry are saying about one of the things that I, I still am just amazed at is how the Congress and the people in DC view credit unions. You know, when you see the speakers on stage, people that you either media personalities or elected officials that you know because you see them on the cable news channels or whatever, and they're talking about credit unions in the same way that, you know, you talk about credit unions and, and their personal experiences. I mean, we had a former senator from Colorado speak on several occasions about his the loans that he got were the only people that would give him his first car loan uh, was a credit union in Colorado and, and things like that. It just it's really makes you feel part of something bigger than just your day to day job and make it, to me that's when your job turns into a career and something that you want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, and to that point, I don't want to um, spoiler alert, but I was on a call right before this today about with the CUNA communications team and the team that's planning the GAC. And they had just gotten off a call with Chris Christie, who's one of the keynoters this year. And they were sharing that he's super excited because he's been a credit union member for a really long time. And I don't want to tell his story, but yeah, he's super excited about talking about credit unions. And then Kevin Carroll, who's one of the other keynoters, has been a member of First Tech Federal Credit Union for a really long time. So it is great to see that passion come through in, in the keynoters and in the breakouts. Yeah, and, and I would I would add, and that's a good point on the, the political speakers being Chris Christie. You are gonna find that credit union supporters are might have come from a different political party that you 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 support. There's going to be people that from your political party that you support, but they might not be as strong as credit unions as you had originally thought. So I say that because credit unions are such a bipartisan position. Like whatever you know, your stance on credit unions is not a Republican position or a Democratic position, whether you support them or oppose them. We have friends on all sides of the aisle. Uh, we continue to wear the white hat uh, in the financial services sector. It's something to be proud of. There's a sense of pride of going to represent credit unions because you're you're not going to, you know, like I always say I, I couldn't do this job if I was going to DC to represent something that I didn't personally passionately agree with. So it does make you feel very good to to be in Washington, DC and, and getting to talk about credit unions and their issues. I have a question since we have a little tenure here with GAC. I know I had one speaker that blew me away that I never expected on a political side that I, I didn't necessarily agree with beforehand, but when he spoke, my perspective changed dramatically. I want to guess. I want to guess. <laughs> Before we go there. Uh, I want to guess too. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Okay. I'll let you guys guess, but then you turn around and tell me who your favorite speaker was over that time frame. Okay. I agree. I like this because I also want to do, I want to tell you a story about two years ago where I, I actually, a speaker I was looking forward to really upset me, not because he was speaking was bad, but just because I'll tell you later. Okay. So go ahead. Give me your best guess. Gotta be George W. Oh my God. I, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Uh, and wow, something I had, heard, I had heard him speak before at a non-credit union event. And, you know, obviously as president, we've heard him, we heard him speak a lot. Was not expecting much from him, but it was amazing. Yeah. 
that was one that I stopped in my tracks and I lost track of, you know, I'll admit you're listening to speakers, you're looking at your phone, you're looking around to see your friends and you're paying attention to the conversation on the ones you really want to. He sat me down and I literally was encaptured by his whole speech because that wasn't the side we saw from him as president. But knowing that's what was behind him was very cool to learn. And uh, my perspective changed dramatically. It's those experiences that cause that bug, right? It's going into the Capitol. It's hearing from, from speakers that you have one perception and then you get another when you leave it. Or you get really in depth on some of these speakers on issues that you, you had no idea they, they cared about, you know, like Colin Powell or some of the others. But give me one of your favorite speakers outside of George W. Now that we kind of threw that on the table is 100%. I'll tell you one that I enjoyed. I was really excited to see, to uh, have on the docket was last year was uh, Malcolm Gladwell, someone who had read his books. I was so excited. And I got to go backstage coincidentally at the exact same time because one of our U.S. senators, Senator Cinema, was speaking uh, right before or after. I can't remember. And Malcolm Gladwell was in there. And then Vice President Mike Pence was at that exact same window. So one of those three were going. I can't remember the order. So I'm sitting in a green room with Senator Cinema, Malcolm Gladwell, and the Vice President of the United States. We got to stay in this little tenty area, but you can see through the cloth. And the, the Vice President of the United States comes backstage. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, how do you even explain this to people that you're in this little sheet with you know, one of your favorite authors, a US senator that you have a lot of respect for, and then the Vice President of the United States walks by with Secret Service and you're like, whoever thought that I was ever going to be in this situation? And you can't really put that on Facebook because like someone's like, why would you? No, I don't care. You can't put that on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So I have a job the next day. You're really not putting that on Facebook. Honestly. Yeah. Right. Felicity, are you from, you're from Virginia area or DC area originally, or have you been there? I'm actually a military. My dad is in the Navy. So we lived all over, um, always on the coast but all over growing up. And so I went to high school in Virginia Beach. And then I went to UVA after that, honestly, kind of just because it was in state and all my friends were going there. And then I came to DC for the job at, at Callahan. I met with them at a career fair on campus and um, the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm envious of the, you know, 20 year, 20 year old me was I was like, oh man, I can't, I'm going to move to DC sometime, you know? And I never got to it. And then once I hit 30, I'm like, oh man, it just seems like such a lot of work to live in DC. So I've kind of talked myself out of it or I've aged myself out of it. So, but I, I still am very envious of the, the fact that you've lived there and, and talking to my girlfriend, Jillian, who, who lived there as well. One of the things she always talks about that she misses about that, I'm sure you have this experience too, is you always feel like you're in the middle of everything that's happening in this, you know, that's talked about in this country and you're like in the center of it, of what good or bad, just being part of that experience is something that, you know, we don't, you know, we have our fair share of things talked about nationally in Arizona and Colorado and Wyoming, but it's pretty much every day, whatever's happening in DC, the world is talking about. And I think the other cool thing about DC is that there's such a just diverse group of people here. There's so many different cultures and backgrounds and stories and and there's a constant flux of people in and out and there's a lot of like really educated people and it's just been such a neat experience to get to learn about different cultures and learn from 
some really educated people who, like you said, Austin, are plugged into everything that's going on all around the world. Yeah. And the, the idea that, you know, one of the things Chris mentioned was we've had these virtual conferences, but we're all sitting at our computer back home in Arizona, Colorado, or Wyoming. There is, there is something about being in D.C. that, you know, you kind of accept the politics of what's being said. You know, you're going to hear things that you wholeheartedly disagree with, but you know, that's what happens in Washington, D.C. It's politics and that, you know, you don't take it personal. And so one of the things I think is important for people, even though we're, you know, when we're sitting in front of our desktops in our state, it's sometimes it's harder to stomach those, those type of partisan discussions when you're not in D.C. and knowing kind of that that's just how it is. It's part of the culture in D.C. So that's just something I think for people that are attending the GC to be aware of is you got to think like you're in Washington, D.C., even if you're sitting at your desktop in you know, your, your sweatpants and a tie, uh, you still got to kind of treat it like you're in D.C. and know that there is some sort of political culture to it that you have to kind of adhere to when you're having these conversations with elected officials. I'd just like you to know that Jill Tomlin has coined that mullet dressing where you're a business on the top and casual on the bottom. <laughs> I well, cannot I, confirm nor deny that I've ever done that, but yeah. <laughs> I won't either. <laughs> I like. That. I might be currently doing that. <laughs> what is one thing you want our listeners to take away from this podcast with their experience for GAC? If they could take away one thing, what would it be? Register. Go. Don't be afraid to, you know, ask your boss. And or be the boss and sign up, even if you've never been. It's the perfect year to go. If you don't go this year, like you're never going to go. Definitely go. It's important for from a advocacy perspective, and it's important from a personal growth and professional perspective. So I think that would be my main takeaway. Sign up, man. Yeah, I think if you show an interest when it's not don't get a trip to Washington, D.C., then it shows something that you're interested in this part of the job. And hopefully it'll open up more opportunities to go when we get to go back to Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, to that end, I have to admit, I'm not super interested in politics, like not my thing. But if you're interested in the industry and then you're interested in credit unions and you're interested in the movement, it still is a good place to be. And it's still definitely worth your time. And understanding the advocacy aspect and ramifications, even if that's not your passion, I think if credit unions are your passion, is extremely important. That's spot on. I, I like the way you said that because I don't think anybody likes politics. I worked politics for the last 23 together in everything that I've done. And I can tell you as someone who works it every day, I can't stand it. <laughs> I mean, I understand the the purpose and the reason why, and it goes back to what you just said. If you have a passion for something and you understand why it affects, you have to raise the awareness of what these decision makers are doing. So you have to be involved in the process. Uh, and if your passion is making sure that member is, is served at the end of the day, or that the revenue that we generate and invest back in our communities goes to important organizations like CU for Kids and Children's Miracle Network, these are the things that we have to do to make sure those things happen because that's at the end of the day, our movement has a purpose. And, and so everything that we do from the frontline teller to the back end operations persons, to the league staff, to the national association staff, um, whether you're with Acula or CUNA 
or any of our QSOs, it all plays a bigger role to something. And I think that's, that's key. Austin always likes to do some interesting and humorous facts before we leave our guests. Well, Chris, I'm going to change it up a little bit this time. Um, and first off, I just I did want to say, Felicity, you know, one of my favorite parts about the GAC is the conversations with with just individuals. And you know, one of the things I look back at last GAC is we had a really good hour conversation, and you know, we've had our conversations over the years, but just last year it was great. And so now I feel like I got to have my hour conversation with you again this year. So my GAC hasn't even started yet, and it's already as good, if not better, than last year. <laughs> with that said, though, rather than going into an interesting fact, we are almost at a year of of being through a pandemic. We're still, for many of us, you know, stuck inside. Um, you know, I consider it, it's it's a fortunate stuck inside in some respect because you know we could have it much worse. We get to be safe and still have a job. Um, but you know, it is starting. At, you know, for me personally, it's just getting to be hard. I, and I know for in Arizona, the summer's coming up, which means we're going to be locked inside even longer. For you all coming out of winter, been inside. So is there anything uplifting or inspiring you can share or, or talk about or some just thoughts about, you know, that will help you know, maybe make it a little bit easier for some of us or uh, the next, next few months until we get out of this fully? You know, I think I've always been a big believer in you make your own happiness. And this past year has been a great exercise for me in choosing to be happy. And yeah, there is a lot of stuff that is hard and I am choosing to look at the last year as a blessing. You know, my sister came and she's been living with me for most of this past year. That's been amazing. It's because I was drowning trying to do virtual first grade kindergarten and preschool with an autistic child and a physically disabled one. But The fact that she's been here and she's gotten to spend that time with my kids and she and I have gotten to spend that time together has has been amazing and a true blessing. In some ways, you know, we've traveled more this year. It's been to remote dessert places, but we have done that. And that was really neat. You know, I don't know how much you know about my son, Austin, but he's really ill. And so we try to keep him away from germs. So in some ways, we'd already been living like there was a pandemic. But this has afforded, you know, we don't know how much time we have with him. And this has afforded me and my whole family, you know, more time at home to spend with him. And my kids haven't been going to school, which is, again, driving me insane. But they've got to spend time with each other that, you know, we don't know how long they have to do that. And their relationships are at a much better level. And, you know, I'm just trying really hard to choose to focus on the happiness and the greatness that has come out of this past year. Well said. I, I admire everything you said and uh, I appreciate everything going on with you and, and everything that you do and you have and continue to do for, for this industry. We are a better industry because you are in it. Thank you for taking the time to visit with Chris and I and, and open up for our audience. Thank you so much for having me. I am I was flattered to be asked and I'm glad that I could be here today. And again, I love, I love what you said. Yes. This was such a nice way to start GAC. Absolutely. I mean, if we had had a beer, it could have been that much better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was definitely how you close it out. That's inspiring. It gives uh, most of us comfort knowing that the people that we have working in our credit union movement are just simply awesome. I mean, to balance 
life like that and still see a positive light at the end of the day and to get all that out of it it's just incredible and then you still do the hard work for the credit unions across the country every single day and it's uh much much admired like Osman just said so well i feel really blessed to work with so many supportive people you know cuna and acula have both been really supportive of my situation and sometimes i have to work really off hours and people are really patient about getting emails from me at 3 a.m. And I am very grateful for that. Yeah. So it is not lost on me how nice, how supportive of a, an industry this is. Thank you again for taking your time and effort today and giving us an opportunity to what to look ahead for GAC this year. And thank you for giving us a great detailed background of who you are and what you do for our movement. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Chris, one of the the things that I found very fascinating about listening to, and uh, getting to talk with Felicity is she's one of these people that you have started your career around the same time. You know, basically your entire time that you've, I've been in this industry, Felicity's been also in this industry and we've seen each other at these government affairs conference. We've talked, but you never really know as much about them as we had gotten in this, in this interview. And I, I really am it's really one of the exciting things about, you know, you have this beginning phase of your career where you're, everything's exciting and everything's new. And then you kind of turn into like a little jaded <laughs> or it just, it, the newness wears off, but it's these, these are the moments where you get to experience your career with other people and then learn about them and follow them in their lives that, that I really love. And so that was one of my thoughts about kind of taking away from this interview. And then, then not only that, but one of the things that I enjoy in any conversation is, Sometimes people say things that you needed to hear at that time. And there, there was definitely moments uh, hearing about Felicity's story and, and some of the things going on through COVID that I just, I honestly just needed to hear today and really grateful that I got to. What did you think, Chris? I was taken back and it reminds us of, again, all the great people who work in our credit union movement. Through COVID, we've learned a lot of things about ourselves in the last year. We've learned efficiencies, but as we've begin to take off with this podcast and we want to highlight who makes up our movement. Today's focus was really, we really wanted to talk about the virtual setting of the GAC and what to expect. But we also wanted to highlight who, who are those people who make up this part. And, and Felicity's is one of those dedicated credit union people that works so hard in our movement to make sure we still have our availabilities to do the things that we need to do to get ahead with our credit unions. But then, like you said, things come out and you get to hear the back end story and you get to hear where their passions lie and how they still manage day in and day out to manage a family, their job, and it all comes under the, the auspice of a job. But really, it's, it's the passion that comes through. And that was so cool to hear. And it's, it's something I think our credit union members need to hear. It's our staffs need to hear all the different integral pieces that go in to make up this movement. 100% agree. And the GAC, as mentioned, it, it's it's going to be different. Change is not a bad thing, necessarily. I know many of us are waiting to have some more human interaction after almost a year into this thing. GAC from last year is kind of the uh, starting point in my head of when things really started to heat up and uh, wasn't a couple of weeks after that we've been working from home since. So I will miss that connection of of conversations with my peers that I've I you know I have once a year and really do admire. But uh, this was a great opportunity for for me 
And I'm sure you talk to Felicity, even if we won't be in person. But with that said, our next podcast will be put out during the GAC. So I'm really excited about that. I don't want to give too much away yet, but we do have a special guest that will be part of that podcast. And again, it'll be, a, it'll be something that'll be timeless, but it'll also be something that will make sense of why we're releasing it during the GAC. Yeah, spot on. And with that, we're going to end today's show. On the behalf of Austin DeBay and myself, Chris Kim, thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us today. And until next time. Well, that's all for today's episode of In The Movement Podcast. Thanks for listening, and thank you for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast listing app so you never miss an episode, or visit us on Twitter at MWCUA. 